0: very big day for the Jewish people and it's a what we call a day of forgiveness. So I really want to talk about that because right now we are in finishing 2020 and out of the many things that happened this year, one of the big heats of discussions is the cancel culture. So I want to speak about that for a minute because um, although it's important to you know if you have a problem going on to point it out and get get the problem solved but then there's online shaming and I don't think that's such a Jewish value so let's talk about that for a while because shaming is definitely not a Jewish value you'd rather be ashamed than shame somebody else but you don't want to be the one shaming others it's the last thing you want to do and um, especially in our generation so I actually, on, on Rosh Hashanah, right, I, I know you guys might remember, but there was a story last year in Israel of a Chabad rabbi in the airport who was giving out a tefillin. And, um, you know, that's what the Chabad does, and it's beautiful. And he was giving out tefillin to different people. He was offering, you know, you want to put on wrap the tefillin, the Jewish wraps. It was in the Israeli, in the airport in Israel, Ben Gurion. And all of a sudden, a professor from Haifa, I think, doesn't make a difference. She came up to him and started screaming. She started telling him, Kviadati, you religious coercion. You're forcing people to do things. This is ridiculous. Why are you doing this? Get out of here, put it away. And it, it got really heated and someone was filming the whole thing. Filmed the whole thing, uploaded it on Facebook and boom. The next day, it was on all the news sites, it was everywhere, and millions and millions of people saw that same clip of this lady screaming at Chabad rabbi. And the big conversation was, what is he doing so wrong already? This is, at the end of the day, a Jewish country. What happened to our people? Why are we so embarrassed of who we are? We're so accepting of everyone else. We're not accepting of our own. And boom, 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 thousands of people were just shaming this lady Um, who shamed the Chabad Rabbi, that's true, she shouldn't have done that, but thousands and millions of people are now shaming this lady. And it got to a point where the Chabad Rabbi himself came out and he spoke about it. And he said, honestly, I was hurt by what happened, but I want to tell you, I still don't feel that she deserved what you all gave her. That was not justified. The fact that she's lost her job everybody knows that she's embarrassed her family she's an embarrassed grandmother now her kids have are not talking to her properly her own relationship is hurt every single her job is basically lost no one's talking to her she's lost her life she's destroyed that no matter what she did to me she does not deserve all of that as a result there's no way that that's what she deserves and it's very true this happened last year within the Jewish community. What happened this year? Thousands of things. I don't don't know if you know about Jimmy Fallon, and um, about 20 years ago, they found a time where he he dressed up, he dressed up as a black person. um, And they, boom, they said, if that's what you do, um, we're, we're canceling you. That was 20 years ago, okay? Paw Patrol. They made this movie about this policeman. Cancel, the show. There was a show which had thirty-two seasons. That's a long time, right? Thirty-two seasons, long time. It's called The Cops. I don't know any about about any of these, but I just know that that show also went through a lot of cancel. Um, There was a movie, made from nineteen thirty-nine, called "Gave," um, Gone with the Mind. Does that make sense, right? And that apparently got through a ton of uh fl- there's there's these uh, sites now hashtags uh called yet yeah, hashtag yes you're a racist hashtag uh, racist on the way where as soon as someone says something that's a bit off or what we think is a bit off and we'll talk about it they are now publicized they lose their job they lose their everything they lose all their earnings their money And this has happened not just once, twice, but in so many areas, especially with famous people, um, until a point where they had this uh, uh, Harper's Magazine brought out an open letter where hundreds of um, famous celebrities and popular people signed it saying, we've got to change something in regards to the cancel culture. And um, there's this guy, this is the craziest guy, there's this guy, uh, I think his name is Emmanuel Cafferty, right? And he shouldn't even say his name because I'm embarrassing right now, but he worked for San Diego uh, Gas and Electricity Company and he was caught doing the OK sign. So now today the OK sounds o- sign also looks like WP, which means white power. And obviously that's racist, but he was he was like bending his knuckles on the... He's a Mexican man. He was had his hand sticking out the car, and he had his hand in the shape of the okay sign, and he was bending his knuckles, and that was it. that was it. Someone took a vi he was in the car, someone was going along whilst he was driving, took a picture of his hand and said, and posted it Boom, that guy lost his- two days later, he got thrown out of his job uh, his name was embarrassed, he lost everything or everything. It, it, everyone who knew him was saying that this is terrible. I can't believe this is what he did. And basically he was completely shamed till he found out and he's like, I don't even understand what it is. I don't know what this sign is. That's, ex- that's always what I do when I'm driving. I crack my knuckles like that. That's how I crack my knuckles. And he said that this is not justified. What I went through does not make sense. No one knows the full story. No one came to me to ask me about it, but because it was posted as a short clip without going to a judge without going to a court you brought the court case right to me and in an unjustified way without actually finding the real kick right the normal way of bringing justice to the world is having an investigation that's how jews work we have what we call two witnesses and unless i had two witnesses that were there throughout the entire story spoke to him or her warned them told them that you shouldn't have done it and they did it then we can know for sure They are guilty, at least if we go to court and the court, but with no court, to have thousands of people make this person lose his job, lose his family, lose his friends, imagine his kids in school, everything, that person's life is destroyed. And this is what's happening to many, many people. So what's, what's the problem? Although, yes, we need to bring justice. And by the way, it goes to everything else. Oh, my restaurant didn't serve me my food on time. Boom, let's take a picture, share it on Facebook share it on social media no no finding out no bigger story that's it it didn't work for me let's take it to social media and that poor business gets destroyed is it fair for the entire business to be destroyed for the small mistake that he did so here's my problem with this okay first of all there's no it's not justified the balance is not justified somebody does something wrong. That's true, it's wrong, you shouldn't do it. But to cause that person to destroy his entire life, literally almost like killing him, it says that if you take somebody's money to a point where he owns nothing, he's like a dead person. You make him poor by having no friends, no money, no no job, nothing, you, you, you've killed them. Why kill somebody through just because of that? So I think, number one, it's not justified to take an argument or something that's not comfortable for you to the public straight away without finding the full investigation to the case isn't justified for that person it's not fair number number 2 is no benefit of the doubt we don't see the full story number 3 there's no dialogue what happens is that we oppress free speech in the name of free speech so when i say oh let's stop this person let's cancel this and i have the freedom to post i have the freedom to put this on social media cancel this person right so i'm using my free speech but i'm also blocking free speech because now i've not allowed the other side to speak i'm not allowing the other side to give over their view and i'm not allowing their view to be heard because if it's different to mine they have to be cancelled so there's no dialogue it's actually destroying the purpose of the whole thing in the first place the whole f- the whole point of the thing in the first is to that, that we can have free speech and now what's happening is it's being destroyed people are going to be afraid to speak so you're dehumanizing people by doing that right because they're now labeled as a certain type and you've dehumanized them in in ways of shame shame is one of the most painful things it says mutav sh- uh, you'd rather jump into a pillar of fire than embarrass somebody that's how important it is to not embarrass someone And the the last thing is it claims that all humans are perfect. Oh, everyone needs to be perfect to me. If they're not perfect, they have to go public and the whole world needs to shame them. Hello, are we all perfect? No one's perfect anyway, people make mistakes. But I want to tell you the last point that no one thinks about. These are things that everyone talks about why we should cancel the cancel culture. But there's one thing that no one's talking about and that's called forgiveness, cancel culture doesn't give room for forgiveness. In fact, it doesn't let forgiveness. Because even if two days or a week later, you say, I'm sorry, I didn't intend for this to happen, it's too late. 10 million people watched that video. Boom, your life's destroyed. Lost your job, lost your friends, lost your family, lost your kids. Everyone's embarrassed of you. You've destroyed your life. Why? Because of cancel culture. So the claim that um we can just take things out to social media freely because I'm free to do it, doesn't leave room for forgiveness. Have you ever heard of for- Can you not say sorry? Can somebody not say, make? does anyone here, is anyone here perfect? Anyone? Anyone perfect? Can no one say sorry? Do you never say sorry to, to yourself? Do you never ask yourself for forgiveness? We always make mistakes, but no one else can make mistakes to me. I can make mistakes to myself for sure. Now, we need to change something here. Forgiveness is such an important value in Judaism. And that's exactly what I want to get through because that's what Yom Kippur is all about. So on Yom Kippur, what are we what are we really celebrating? What are we doing? And I want to take you through something. So I was once called by a person that was in prison. He was uh, convicted f- for doing terrible things. He was underage. So he had a more lenient uh, way to get out of it, but he did terrible, terrible things. And he called me up and told me, Rabbi, I want to speak to you. He's actually a famous guy today and um, because he speaks in public a lot and he, I forgot his name now. It's not ringing the bell, but I gave a class last year about him and he called me up from prison. He said, I know that you're the rabbi nearest to us. I want to know if I am forgiven, if I can ever be forgiven for what I did. And I said, listen, whether When it comes to humans, maybe the forgiveness is limited. If you kill somebody, how can that family forgive you, right? There's a limit. You can't bring that person's life back. So there's a limit to your forgiveness. But when it comes to God, there's no end to forgiveness. That's why according to Judaism, before we are told that certain things were created before the world was created. One of them was teshuvah, which means to make amendments or to to do repentance. Teshuvah was created before the world was created. That's why, why was it, what does that mean even? Like, is it a thing? Is it like a, a piece? What, what, what does it mean that Teshuvah was created, repentance was created before the world was created? What does that mean? I want to tell you what it means. It means like this. If I do something wrong, if I steal, okay, the reality should be that I get the repercussions for my stealing. In in a real world, we say that God is Baruch Dayan Ha'emet. He is a true judge. He's a judge of truth, meaning he's a judge. He brings justice to the world. We don't always see it immediately. And the reason for that is so that I can have free will. I mentioned I've spoken about this. So I'm just going to go quickly into this point, but If I do something wrong and I see the repercussions of doing wrong immediately, and if I do good, I see the reward of doing good immediately in this world, then I won't have free will. I'll obviously only do good and never do bad. If I steal money immediately from my account, I lose three times the amount of money that I stole. If I give charity immediately in my account, I triple the amount of money I have in my account. Will I ever steal? Will I ever want to not give? course I'd want to give I get three times it's a great investment so the reason why we don't see this is by the way the answer to suffering the reason why we don't see the result of our bad actions and the result of good actions immediately is because we need to be in a world of free will, where we can choose between good and bad it needs to be our own decision and that's why it's hidden from us so teshuvah was created why why was teshuva repentance, created before the world was created? And the answer is very simple. Because if it wasn't, I would need to get my repercussions immediately. And I, if teshuva, the concept of Teshuvah wasn't created before the world was created, so I would really, if I stole, I would need to get that repercussion. Because truth says that it, as soon as you do something wrong, you should deserve to get the karma of that wrong that you did. That's just truth. That's what truth means. Truth means justice, period, immediate, no waiting. And that's one of the ways of God. So in order to be in this world, we have to be in a world of free will. So therefore, was one of the things that was created before the world was created. That's just to let you know what was created before the world. So Yom Kippur is a day of forgiveness every year. God says, come to, come to me and I'll forgive you if you do Teshuvah, if you, say, if you make amendments, you say, I don't want to do this anymore. You admit that you did it wrong and you make a commitment to not do it again. It's all wiped off. It's as if you never did anything. Yom Kippur wipes it off. There's only a few things that needs Teshuvah, Yom Kippur and death as well to wipe off everything. But most things are wiped off with Yom Kippur and complete repentance when you say, I don't want to do this again. I know this was bad. This is not the way that I should have been. I want to improve. So what do we do on Yom Kippur? One of the things that we do on Yom Kippur, and this is because of the story of the Jewish people with the golden calf. Don't want to bore you here, but just quickly, the Jewish people sinned with the golden calf. After they received the Torah, they said, hey, Moses isn't coming down. We need to relate. We can't relate to an infinite being, which is God. I need to have something which I can relate to. So they brought this golden calf and they said, terrible. So the time that they were forgiven, when God said, Salachti kidvarecha, when God said, I forgive you, was on Yom Kippur. And that's why this energy of forgiveness is with us every year. By the way, we get Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur every year. Have you ever wondered why do we have it every year? kind of strange give me one yom kippur boom if i if i say sorry good if not not how many can you imagine a kid does something wrong and then you say okay i forgive you and then he does the same thing wrong again you say i forgive you same thing wrong again i forgive you how many times how many times can you forgive? but for some reason judaism knew from the beginning that there's always going to be a yom kippur every year which means that we know it's in our DNA that it's normal for us to make mistakes it's normal Judaism recognizes that no no one's perfect hey I've got news for you no one in the Torah comes out as perfect almost no one okay but Moshe Rabbeinu our leader Moses Adam Harishon the first person in the in in, in the Torah mistakes that's what you learn about is there's mistakes Noach, You learn about his mistakes. You learn about from one generation. You look Cain and Evel. You just learn about humanity's natural way of making mistakes, meaning I expect you to fall. But the wisdom is to keep getting up. Judaism recognizes that it's normal to fail. How do I know that? Because it was created before the world was created. If Teshuvah repentance is created before the world was created. It means that it's normal for people to fall. And Judaism knows that because all the leaders in the Torah are not God, they're human. And all of the leaders in the Torah make mistakes. Oh, that's interesting. They're not perfect. No, they're not. They're just like me and you. We all make mistakes. So one of the things we do is we get forgiven. Now, that's crazy. How does God forgive us? Because that's what we need to plug into because we need to take that energy. On Yom Kippur, we read something called the Yud Gimel Midot. 13 attributes of forgiveness or what i say of patience of god's waiting of god's tolerance there's 13 ways that he governs the world in terms of not giving the repercussions immediately to my actions and allowing time to come remember the story of the flood in the torah how long did it take for the flood to happen chaos absolute chaos the entire society couldn't live with how long did it take it to happen does anyone know 2,000 years, that's a long time, right? Because God waits. He said, wait, wait, let's wait a bit more, a bit more, a bit more. And so it's getting to a point where it's just so dangerous. If it would continue, it's just going to go backwards. But what I want to tell you is that the concept of patience, waiting, tolerance is a such a Jewish value because we couldn't survive without it. And we need to learn, and we have a gift called the Thirteen attributes of god's way of of having tolerance on the world god's way of having mercy on the world and we're going to talk about those 13 different attributes i'm going to go through them 13 ways that god governs the world in terms of not not giving me the repercussions immediately not giving karma immediately and we speak we actually say these constantly throughout yom kippur the whole of yom kippur we keep saying these 13 attributes You might ask what's the point of saying them to god it's like hey god you're really awesome hey god it's not for him god's infinite it's for me because i need to learn those attributes of forgiveness so that i can fill my purpose in this world the more i act like god the more i will be forgiven you see judaism believes the way you forgive others is the way god will forgive you the way you judge others is the way God will judge you okay so what we want to do is plug in to that forgiveness that was used to create us and to keep us alive right now today when we make mistakes and we're still alive even though we still make mistakes because of Teshuva, because of these attributes of mercy so what are these 13 energies that allow us to continue to exist and if we plug into them and use them with the people around us that's what we need to do when we think about on yom kippur when we read those 13 attributes we need to think about these energies and how i want to put them into my life i want to have those energies with the people around me in my life and if i do then that is a great process in my teshuvah, in my repentance and becoming a new person renewed washed and renewed person so let's go through these 13 attributes i'm going to go through them pretty quickly in the next half an hour but really giving you some beautiful energy for this Yom Kippur, something different. Okay. So I want to ask who's here, who wouldn't mind, um, to write in the chat. Every time I say the first one, you write in the chat, someone do it. Okay. So when I say the first one, write in the chat, the first attribute. Okay. So the first attribute is me el kamocha who is like you god okay so that's attribute number one there's no one like you so we need to see what that means okay so here's the attribute of there's no one like you it means like this we understand that the creator of the universe is infinite he knows are He knows all of what goes on in your life. It's the best judge to have, by the way. The best judge is that knows all of you exactly, all your story, all your challenges, all your problems, all of your, all of your right difficulties. Those are the. That's the best judge, because I don't want to have a judge that doesn't know really, and I need a, I need someone to stand up for me, a, a lawyer to stand up for me and and defend me. I I want the best judge who knows everything about me. That's why we're happy on Yom Kippur so who is there's no one like you what's unique about god he knows everything about us he's uh he gives my heartbeat and my my blood is pumping and my livers are working and my system is working constantly because he allows it to constantly work it says every second of this universe that exists god is allowing it and it's recreating it so what we need to do what we need to do is plug into that energy what's that energy here's the energy god allows me this is no one like you he allows me even when i do something wrong can you imagine a murderer committing an act of murder and who's pumping his heart at that time do you understand what's going on who's Allowing him to breathe that oxygen at that time who's allowing his brain to work at that time Right according to Judaism. It's the creator of the universe That's crazy. You allow somebody to do something which is wrong Whilst you feed Nurture him in ways that we can't even comprehend only the greatest scientists may get a tenth or even a percent of what God really does to us at every second can you imagine what happens to us at every second? And here you have, a, even when I do something wrong, my heart is still pumping, my lungs are working, my organs are, are functioning, my brain is working, my eyes are working, and all of these body parts are working by who? The Creator, and He allows me to do it. So that's what we call, El Kamocha. Why is that? And this is what we need to learn with others. We need to learn that we should have, patience just like God has patience that even though he nurtures me feeds me does good to me he says okay you did something wrong but I'm going to wait because I know that one day you're going to come back I know that one day you're going to turn things around you'll grow up it's you're just a teenager now you're just just, you're just young and just a teenager I know things are going to change so there's that idea of being like god where i i am helping you i am being there for you and you're doing this to me and i don't get offended right so that's the energy that i want to get into being the giver that doesn't get offended that's the first energy i'm sorry there's a lot of words there but how would i translate the first attribute is giving and not offend not being offended okay it says it's better to be offended than to be the offendee uh the offender right so it's it's better what would you rather be a nazi or a jew in the holocaust the nazi might su- most thinks he's gonna survive the jew thinks he's not gonna survive Right? The Nazi has all the power and the energy and the, the control. The Jew is thinking, I'm not gonna live very long. My life is hanging, I feel like dirt. I've been treated like dirt. What would you rather be, deep down? What would you rather be in that situation? The terrible, evil Nazi, or a person that's your life is hanging on the brink in the hands of the Nazi. I'd much rather be in the hands of a Nazi than be a Nazi myself, 100% hands down. To be a Nazi, That's, there's no way. I'd rather be the person that the Nazi's hurting. That's what we need to be. It says actually that if somebody embarrasses you in public, do you know what you should do? You should stay quiet and make a prayer that time. The holiest moment of prayer. You know this? At that moment that someone offends you, the holiest moment in Judaism. Close your eyes and, and start saying, Hashem, I don't know but I need this this and this boom try it out at the time that the time that you are embarrassed is the time or that you are so to speak the victim is the time that you can have the most power in silence we don't realize this it's that doesn't mean that we shouldn't stand up for ourselves if we can and it shouldn't mean that we should avoid being a victim if we can right but in the moment where it's not in my control, i've been embarrassed in public it was not in my control at that moment that's a very holy energy and if i channel it well boom it's a moment of blessing that's, that's what we want to be and that's the godly energy of number one which is i give you so much and then you did that to me i gave you everything i gave you a heartbeat your your life from the minute you were born till this second and now you're betraying me so to take betrayal at the highest level of a, that cannot be even described in words, that's number one. Okay, number two. Attribute number two that we want to have is Noseh Avon. He carries the sin. Not only does he know about everything, but he also carries it. Now, this means a whole new level. Okay, it means that I forgive. It means that I... Uh, I wait. I don't forgive yet, but I wait. I have patience again. Okay. So servo means I bear the sin. It means I have patience. Here I wrote. I wrote down. And not only do I do have patience. This is a higher level. I deal with that person's problems as well at the same time. For instance, I help somebody, a father to his child. A father wants his child to go through education. He wants his child to go to school, okay? Of course, what happens if year after year after year, the parent sees that his child's just not academic, it's just not working? So, not only is it not academic, he just he just can't. By the time he's 15, it's like the school says, it's, it's just a waste of time, please, no more school for this kid. He's not made for school. And the child, doesn't want to be there he's crying every day hates it it's a terrible situation so eventually the parent says you know what maybe it's better that he works by the way according to judaism a rebellious child that's uh that's not able to be in school an academic should not have to stay in school we believe that actually, a obviously, you should, no, I'm not talking about child labor, but we believe that work actually gives a sense of value to the person, gives them appreciation, a sense of self-worth, and sometimes it can help somebody. It's just a, a, just a general idea. But here, let's say a child is, is rebellious, not made for school, and goes to work. Now, a good parent would not say, oh, My child's not going in the way I want. I wanted my child to be a doctor, lawyer, whatever. He's not going in in the way I want. That's it, done, right? That's not what a good parent would do. A good parent would say, if this is the path that you you need to be on, so that's the path you need to be on, and I'm gonna be there for you on this path. Not only am I gonna be on this path for you, I, I will not say, oh, you deal with your problems. This is your problem. Oh yeah, You've, you find work hard, so it's your problem that you find it hard. You chose to leave school, see, right? That's not the way that a good parent would work. A good parent would say, I understand that this is the path that you need to be on. Obviously, out of not just, not just saying that straight away you obviously push at first for the child to be in school because that's the right thing. But at a certain point when you really recognize this is where he needs to be, I understand that this is the path you need to be on and I'm gonna help you, I'm gonna be there with you all the way through. I'm not gonna say, hey, take the heat, son, right? Take the, t- whatever it is, it's your problem. No, I'm gonna be there for them all the way through. So that's called noser Avon, God bears sin. We actually understand that when I do something wrong, missed, uh, cabalistically. An angel's created. An energy is created. What's an angel? An energy. An energy that I have caused in this world is now created. And it's going to do stuff. God doesn't say, "Hey, that energy is created. Go back to the person that created you, which is me." If I did something wrong, it should go back to and take him, take his. And en- you want to be fed? Be fed from him. It doesn't. God doesn't do that. He takes hold of that energy, and locks it up. This is what we're taught kabbalistically he locks up the energy and holds it and says i'm gonna wait i'm not gonna let this negative energy come back into the world for now i'm gonna hold on to this energy and i'm gonna wait wait for you to for that person to say i regret it i forget it i don't want it and then i'll destroy that energy god will remove the energy eventually himself but the the idea here is that god holds on to that bad energy doesn't say hey you eat what you created. You deal with it because you created it. He actually bears the challenge. That's what we should aim to do as well, is to be those people in the relationships with others that don't say, oh, that was the choice you made. That was the the mistake you made. Why should I be there for you? And that's exactly the attribute, the second attribute, which is no Let's go to the third attribute for over al-pesha. Okay, number three is over al-pesha this is finally number three is hashem forgives the mistake okay so we finally come to the point where there's actually forgiveness now here's the crazy thing how does god forgive what's the ultimate place of forgiveness the place of forgiveness is when i directly forgive not using other parties you know a text message Hey, somebody messages you. Hey, I'm so sorry for what happened last year. I didn't mean it. You know, I've been thinking about it so much this past year. I've had a lot of reflection. And I just want to ask you my forgiveness. And you respond back and you say, okay, forgiven. Huh? No, that's not the attribute of forgiveness. Not through a text message and not through a middle party. The attribute of forgiveness is you call that number immediately and you say, that is so amazing of you, I forgive you. I appreciate it and I forgive you. So there's a number of reasons why I would forgive, right? I'd forgive because I don't want to bear the pain of holding on to that grudge, right? There's a pain. When, when, when somebody hurts me and I don't forgive, one of the reasons why children are always happy, I spoke about this in the past, but one of the children why children are always happy, think about it, they're always happy. One of the reasons is is because they'd rather forgive, they'd rather be happy than be right. This is what the Balatanya says. I'd rather be happy than right. What, what does that mean? Look, somebody comes up to them, bumps into them, and hurts them, and they fall on the floor. What does the kid do? He starts crying. He looks up at his friend and says, why did he do that? If it happened to us, it will take us two days to forgive that person five seconds later the kid's happy he's playing with that kid again he cried wiped away his tears back in back into the game playing again with the other kid completely forgiven you know why because yes i'm right you shouldn't have hit me and bumped into me like that you should have said sorry but i want to be happy right now and i'd rather be happy which is just to forget about what happened so a child has the amazing quality of focusing on their happiness as opposed to to focusing on the aspect of forgiveness. So a lot of times we want to forgive so that we can be happier. That makes sense. Does that make sense to everyone here? You'd forgive so that you, you you let off your chest all that grudge that you've been holding about that other person. Finally, I can see my neighbor again. I can smile. I can know that I can walk into my house knowing that if I see my neighbor, they're going to smile to me. I'll smile to them. It's, it's a headache to not forgive. So th- that's one level of forgiving then there's another level of forgiving there's another level of forgiving which is i'll forgive just because you asked me and that's what we're talking about here okay god forgives because you just because you you asked that's what it is so we have to ask and god forgives right we say god you have forgiveness meaning You don't do it through somebody else. You take the charge of forgiveness. And that's how we need to be as well. If somebody does something wrong to us, um, right, and we we say, okay, I want to forgive him, I want to help him, I want to move on, and I want to forgive in a way where I myself have said, I admit, and I give you forgiveness. Okay, let's go to the next one, number four. Number four, I don't think I'm gonna go through all 13, but we'll try. Number four is not only does he forgive us, it says which means he stays in a relationship with us. He empathizes with us. When I do something wrong and I'm in pain, let's say a parent sees that the child is going in the wrong path, taking drugs, bad friends right a good parent because they're a parent would be in pain when the kid's in pain by the fact that they see that their kid is not happy it makes the parent not happy the parent doesn't say oh goodbye you're out of here hopefully they don't say that you're gone done no i'm in pain that you're what's bothering you my son why are you in such a situation you're in pain why why are you in pain so obviously the child himself needs to take ownership of his situation there's not as much as we can help and try and help the person that's in the pain themselves needs to take care of the situation but what we say about god is whatever pain we go through is a pain for god at the end of the day the world works in a way where there's a system just like the sun has a a time where it comes out in the moon and the stars there's also a system in the world that when bad things happen when bad things are done then there's a repercussion for our actions karma has to work in this world that's the way the world works it's not because of god it's just the way that world works so At the end of the day, it hurts God for him when we are in pain, wherever it is, when we're in a place that we shouldn't be, when we're doing things that are wrong. So what does that mean for us? Well, first of all, it means that he's in a relationship with us. He doesn't say, oh, you're messing up. I leave you. But that's also how we should be with our friends, okay? He says, I'm reading, quoting, by the way, a book by Rav Moshe Cordovero, who lived in the 16th century. He was a Kabbalistic rabbi, lived in Sfat." And he wrote many books on kabbalah and this is one of them this is a very kabbalistic by the way concept what we're teaching right now so he wrote that how does that translate to us so when it comes to forgiveness i don't even forgive i remain in a relationship with you what does that mean so he says that he says here that what it means is that when i see my friend doing well i'm happy for their success when i see that they're failing I'm upset for their failure that's exactly what it means love your friend like yourself what does that mean love your friend the same way i will be happy for my success i'm happy for theirs by the way you can force yourself it's called i until a good eye force yourself to say i'm so happy for your new house right when i used to get when i got my new glasses and my grandmother in israel this is what that's how they'd say in Hebrew um, have a renewed feeling enjoy that new feeling they say and then they say you should merit to see with these glasses only good things ah, I love that blessing see that's how we should be speaking to other people oh you've got a new home you should only be using it and enjoying it for good things you should only have happy things in your home use that moment to bless the person as opposed to cursing them out, not necessarily directly, but saying, how did he get that? How did he get the money to pay for that house? Like the backyard and ah, the swimming pool. And then instead of saying that, use that energy to bless them, boom game changer it says ayin tovah who yevorach if you have that energy where you bless someone even though you think i want the same thing right jealousy should really be coming in but instead you channel it for a blessing it says you will get the same blessing as well just you'll get the same blessing. you see someone with a nice ferrari if that's what you really want right so you say to them hey nice ferrari you should only have blessings and safety and goodness in it and it should always be used for your benefit and 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 love and then hashem will give you that blessing as well maybe not directly as a ferrari but in some way you will get that blessing as well so what we want to have is that attribute just like god stays in a relationship and is in pain when we're in pain we need to be in pain when somebody else is in pain or when somebody else is succeeding we need to be happy for them not talking negatively about them i'm not talking uh positively uh uh, sorry, it's speaking positively when they are successful. That's what we want to do. Okay, so that's called being in that relationship. That's the attribute of Lish Erit, staying in a relationship, empathizing with us. The next thing is Laad Apon. God does not hold his anger forever so how does this translate to people and then i'll go back to how god works okay he doesn't keep his anger forever what does that mean so here's something very interesting okay when it comes to human beings you might find that someone does something bad to you and and, and makes you upset right what should you do so you get upset with them or that's normal it's human uh, So number five is doesn't hold on to his anger forever okay even though god doesn't get angry but he doesn't hold on to his um to the negative action that you did forever okay so it doesn't how would you say it in english better and maybe there's a uh better way of translating that's i'm literally translating the words okay so means let me let me just uh explain how we should as humans have this as well. This means, oh, so I I went to the wrong page here a second. So this means, what does it mean that God doesn't keep to this forever? It means like this. Oh, this is brilliant. So you know, sometimes where somebody bothers you or does something wrong and you tell them off, you rebuke them, right? And you say, brother you should not have done that that's really bad and then we feel like we need to really dig into that rebuke you know that was really wrong no I, I wanted to sit down for a second I want to tell you how wrong that is and you get deep into it you get further, and further no that was really no I want you to know that was really wrong you know how we we sometimes do that we make that conversation with somebody we rebuke them and then we continue because we feel bad or we feel like I need to explain why I rebuke them so one of the things that we should do is don't bear or don't carry that anger forever. Don't drag, if you rebuke, this is by the way, very important because it's so connected to cancel culture. Cancel culture means that that person's reputation is ruined forever, but that's not what he deserves. He deserves a small rebuke. If the restaurant doesn't give me the food on time, they deserve a small rebuke. If a person um, speaks in a way that's ra- you know, racist. Let's say they don't deserve to lose their entire life. They deserve a rebuke. So you give them exactly what they need and nothing more. That's called This is so important, especially in relationships. Because that's a shame when everyone gets into a healthy and strong and important relationship. Um, and I'm talking about marriage. At that point, you will notice that you, you, you know, cause you're, you're with that person all the time, non-stop. That's a lot of time together. So you'll notice where there's things that are bothering you and you feel the importance to express that something's bothering you today, right? You'll feel that important, but okay, no problem. Explain what's bothering Don't dig too deep into how it's a problem and how you need to rebuke. If you made that rebuke, make it, that's it, then move on. This is such a godly concept. I make the rebuke and I stop there. I don't get or dig too deep into that rebuke. Okay, so that's number five. Number six is, Ki chafetz chesed hu. God wants kindness. Okay, what does that mean that he wants kindness? So this means that when I see somebody who um, is not so nice to me or is a bit rude, or even my child does something wrong. Let's say I come home and I see that my child, my youngest now, he loves to take a pen, a marker, and go everywhere with the marker. My couch suddenly, everything he's got, my my shirts hanging on the you know to dry, I suddenly got marker clo- what permanent marker everywhere the wall. It's it's really brutal. So we have to tell him off, right? So that's that's important it's important to rebuke him but it's also at that moment i need to focus on his chesed on something good about that kid you know he is a good this is the i love doing this to my kids he's a good boy he's really a good boy when he's really naughty no no he shouldn't do that that's so bad but he really is a good boy i rebuke him And then I always throw him, but he really is, he's he's a good boy, he's a good boy. And then he like, it brains, it gets into his brain, like, I am a good boy, oh, I am a good boy. And he starts changing, he becomes a good boy, because I just said, he's a really good boy. So, and I mean it, because I do think of all the good things he does. So it's the same with all relationships. If you have somebody that's not so well spoken to you, they're a bit rude. What we want to do is (laughs) chafetz chesed hu. Try and find the chesed in that person. But you know what it's true they they they're just not well, they're not well spoken and they're very rude but you know what they have a kind such a kind gesture to them there's some virtues that they have which is just awesome yeah they they're so generous so you focus on that generous attribute that they have that's what god does it's true that we do tons of mistakes and we're told there was times where the jews were meant to be wiped out after the destruction of the temple it says that uh, you know, there was no reason. They were just terrible. Then God says, no, 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 but they have chesed. They, they are kind amongst each other. They, they, they serve idols. They don't believe in God. They don't do this. They don't do that. They don't, but they have chesed with each other. Let's focus on that. Let's focus on that. Can you imagine? That's what God does. So that's what we need to do as well. When we say, Ki chafetz chesed hu, God wants kindness. I need to think to myself that that's what I need to do. I want to, I say to myself on Young Kippur, I want kindness as well. What does that mean? I want to see kindness in others, even if they're annoying to me. Focus on that attribute, by the way, this is God. So we're nowhere near, nowhere near like God. Okay. We're, we're nothing. We're, we make, we fail in all of these big time in all of these, which person here gives so much love to anybody nonstop. And then when someone does that person, the same person that you, right? hurts your feelings or embarrasses you, you forgive them immediately. Which person could say they do that, right? This is this is God. We're talking about the, the infinite being, but what we need to do is try, when we say these words, what we want to do is try and plug into that energy so that I can at least do teshuvah, which means I say I want to be forgiven. What do I want to be forgiven in? I want to be like you. I want to have those energies. I want to be that. Even though it's, virtually impossible to be like him because we are not the creator of the universe but that desire can get me somewhere okay so that's what we want to do and it will get me to the point of teshuvah okay um we are on number six uh number six right now which is that he wants kindness let's just do one more number seven and we will um maybe continue another time so number seven is yeshuv God. Uh, not only forgives but he's appeased with him which means if if a human gets bothered by somebody right at the end of the day I forgive them but the relationship's never the same right you ever heard that saying the relationship's never the same but not by God Yeshuv not only does he return his mercy. That's the translation, that's a better translation. Yeshuv Yerachamenu means he returns his mercy. So not only does he return his mercy to the way he was, he forgives you the way it was back then, but he actually puts you in a higher place than you were before. That's why it says, en in a place where people repent, stand, even the greatest rabbis can't stand. So a Jew that never did anything Jewish before, and did Shabbat for the first time and started to do Shabbat is much holier than a Jew that always did Shabbat is on a higher level is on a way higher level than someone who always grew up with it right somebody who does a Mitzvah that they weren't growing up with and they started adapting to that good deed that's on a way higher level than someone who was just born into it. Right? That's what we say. So that's what it means. Can you imagine us forgiving someone? And not just forgiving, but saying, you know what? I'm going to love you more. Now, how do I get to that? How do I get to a point where not only do I forgive someone for doing wrong to me, but I actually get in a stronger relationship with them than I would have had beforehand? I like that person now more than I did before. How do you get to that? Do you know what it is? It's because you contemplate what it took that person to ask for your forgiveness. The humility, the breakdown that that person went through to come to you and say, I want to ask you forgiveness. The change that that person went through to come to you and say, I want to ask for forgiveness. That in itself deserves to be moved up. That's why we say that this world in Kabbalistic terms is like the letter Hey. olam Hey. And if you look at the hay, there's a big hole at the bottom. And the Talmud explains, this is also in the Talmud, it explains that that big hole in the the bottom is all the desires of this world. We come into hay and we're born very beautiful, right up there in in the middle of the hay. And then slowly we get pulled out of the hay by all the desires of this world, money, fame, likes on Facebook, Instagram, right? And we start getting pulled off the bottom of the hay. And there's so many distractions that put us away from who we really want to be. And then what we say is that with Shuvah, you can come back to that little Yud on the hay through the top. Can you notice there's two holes in a hay? There's one at the bottom where you fall from, and there's another hole in the top. And the rabbis say, Kabbalistically, okay, the hay has a hole at the bottom. So why doesn't people go in and out from that hole? You know, you fail, so you fall out the hole. You're like out of this world for a while, and then you come back in that hole, right? Why don't you, why is the hay open on two sides? Why does it have two doors? It should only have one door. It should be like a chet, and the hole is out. And if you want to return, you return back through the bottom hole. no, you can't return through the bottom hole. Because if you return, you're greater than the way you were before somebody who went through something bad let's say um is a, a very angry personality so he worked right anger is just a personality but let's say he worked on it and worked on it and worked on it and now came a person that overcame the anger they're not going back through the same hole that they fell through now they're taking new precautions. They're taking new measures to avoid that anger. They're, they've learned all the, all the tools. To, th- that means they need to go through a new entrance. They get a new door right up from the top because they've learned to overcome all of their challenges. They've learned so many things. They're way greater than the... You can't, if you fall from the bottom, you can't go back up from the bottom. You have to come back in from the top. There's a new entrance for you. That's what the hay represents. So what we need to do is also when we forgive not just forgive but recognize that somebody went out of their way to ask for your forgiveness that deserves me to also um go out of my way to forgive and that means uh to to, to accept their forgiveness and to come in a stronger relationship with them than i was in a relationship with them in the first place i'll end off with a story okay i just did seven we have some more to go but you know i don't know how People can last for more than an hour. I don't even know how anyone listens to me for an hour anyway, but people do. But uh, I'll, ta- I'll finish off with a story of forgiveness, just that you should understand the greatness of real, true forgiveness. So I think the story is told with a rabbi called Rabbi Shalami Salant, uh, a rabbi that lived in a place called Salant. And he was a very holy man. And he was traveling to a city uh, far away, somewhere in Russia. And... Um, he was tra- traveling to the city to go and visit and speak to the community. He traveled by train and he was a very well prominent rabbi known to the entire Eastern European community. Thousands of people knew about him. He was like the the hit. He was the, he was the, the, the greatest of his generation. And he was traveling on a train, a long journey to go visit this town and to speak and inspire the people of that community. He was invited and he went to speak to that community. He arrived to, uh, he, he, he went in the train, and as he's sitting on the train, uh, there was another person that was on the train. And this person, every five minutes, saw the rabbi, thought it's just, that he didn't know he's the rabbi. He thought he's just a regular person. And every five minutes, he told the, ma- the rabbi, who's, who looked like an old man, Excuse me, why are you sitting over there by the window and leaving it closed? It's burning in here. Can you open the window? Five minutes later, he said, it's too cold. Can you please close the window? Five minutes later, it's getting hot. Can you open the window? The whole way, driving. And each time, this very holy rabbi got up, opened the window, closed the window, opened the window, closed the window. This man was traveling to uh, the city because he wanted to meet the big rabbi. He wanted to come and meet this big rabbi. Uh, He didn't know who the rabbi was on the train, but he wanted to come meet the rabbi. Not only did he want to meet him, he said, listen, I want to get a smicha, I want to come, I don't have a business, I don't have money, and I want to work in an abattoir, I want to make, sell kosher meat. So in order to sell kosher meat, you have to have a kosher certification that you're able uh, to slaughter, Uh, in the proper way, in the most humane way possible. The animals, you have to have a special certification. He said, listen, if I go to that big rabbi and I get a document from him signed saying he's trustworthy for doing uh, meat and owning a slaughterhouse, it's going to be the best uh, recommendation ever. Everyone's going to take me and I'll make so much money. He spoke about this to his wife. He spent a bit of his money that he had left and went on this train. And on this train, he kept telling this man, this old man, please open the window, close the window, open the window, close the window, open the window, close the window, the whole way. Eventually, he arrived, they arrive in the city. And as the train comes in, he sees thousands and thousands of Jews at the station, thousands of Jewish people, the whole community is running to this to his train. And he's wondering, what's what's all the commotion? Why, why is everyone coming to this train? And he sees that old man that he kept telling to open or close the window, was the man who was the rabbi that everyone came to welcome. And everyone was kissing his hand saying, please, Rabbi, bless me. Thousands of people were swarming to see him and to get a blessing from him. And the guy turned white. He says to himself, oh my goodness. That's the man that I came to ask for a, for a smicha, for a, for a document for my business that I want to open. He's never going to give me anything. What am I gonna do? So he says to himself, you know what? The rabbi's meant to be here for a week. I'm gonna stay here for a week. The last day, I'll go to him. After he's met 10,000 people, the last day, I will go to him. And when I go to him, he'll for sure have forgotten me. So he waits till the end of the week and he comes into the where the rabbi's staying and finally gets a meeting with him. On the last day, he walks in and he says, Hello, Rabbi, and the Rabbi says, "Oh, very nice, nice to see you again. I remember you from the train." And he's he's like, "Oh no, this is terrible." So he says to him, "Listen, Rabbi, I want to, I want to know if you can give me a semicha, a um, ordination, signing that I'm reliable for doing shi'ita." He, he said, Rabbi, I'm really sorry, I want to tell you, I apologize for what I did on the train, I never knew it's you. The Rabbi says, okay, it's okay. He says, please, can you give me a signing that I'm good for doing the slaughter, uh, uh, for being a shokhet, I'm reliable. So the rabbi says to him, I can't just give you a document signed, I need to test you. So he starts testing him, within five minutes he realizes, that the, realizes this person doesn't know not Aleph Bet, not Gimel Dalad, nothing. Doesn't know any Judaism at all. He says to him, "Listen, I can't give you a smichak. It's just not possible. You you don't know any of the any of the rules. You don't know any of the basics of the of the Jewish laws. I can't give you a recommendation." Then the Rabbi says to him, "But I want to tell you, I have somebody that I can arrange, who's a very reliable person in this ta- in this community, and he will train you, and he would." Uh, he would actually give you everything you need in order to become a Shochet. And then once you finish learning training with him, I will give you the recommendation. So the student said, thank you, Rabbi. Thank you so much. Thank you. And the rabbi put him in touch with this uh, other rabbi, that's Shochet, who will train him. Rabbi Saal Misalant comes home and his wife says to him, uh, did you come back with all the, with the money? You know, we, you took some money and I need some money as well. Did you come back with the money? So Rabbi Salman says, no, I'm sorry. I, I spent all that money that we had. She says, what do you mean you spent the money? I spent the money on this person that came. We wanted to be trained, uh, to doing, uh, shikhita, to becoming a professional, um, a slaughterer, if that's what you want to call him, uh, in in kosher meat certificate. He wanted to be trained and had to make food kosher. And I gave him the ordination. I gave him, I, I, I sorry, I gave him the training. I gave him the money and I used that money for someone to train him. His wife says, what happened with this? Why would you give him the money? I don't understand. Sid. The rabbi said, listen, the whole way, he, emb- the whole way to this place that I was traveling to, That student, that person kept asking me to open and close the window, open and close the window, open and close the window. And I felt a bit, I felt that maybe he's going to think I'm angry with him. Maybe he's going to think that I'm angry. And I wanted to show him that I'm, in no way, and I wanted to show myself in no way that I bear a grudge against this person. So in order to do that, I decided specifically for him, I'm going to pay for him to have training and for someone to train him to actually become a shokhet to make sure that he knows and I know that I completely forgive him. And that's why I paid all that money from my own pocket. That story is exactly what we're... That's called godly forgiveness. That's forgiveness on its highest level. I remember a rabbi in Gateshead Rabbi avram gurwitz who is a rabbi that i'm very still alive very old man and very very holy and very special and it's told about him some say it's told about his father that one time in in the yeshiva late at night he was going into the library so in the yeshiva there's a library massive library with thousands of books and it's a very quiet room and it was late at night and he wanted to go there to read a specific book he had a specific book that he had to go and read and he walks into the library and as he's about to get in, the rabbi, he finds that the doors held shut. And what happened was it was a kid, one of the, one of the young kids in the school that was holding the door shut. And he was having a water fight with his friend. Uh, he got his friend soaked, ran into the library and held the door shut so his friend can't come in. And he hears the door knocking, someone knocking. And he's like... You can't come in. You can't come in. I'm not letting you in. And here's again a silent knock. He's like, I know it's you. Don't play games with me, okay? I'm not letting you in. I'm holding the door closed. He holds the door closed for another five minutes. And eventually he hears the rabbi say, listen, it's, it's Avram Gurwitz. Who is it? Avram Gurwitz? It's the rabbi. It's the rabbi of the yeshiva. The guy went white. He's like, what am I going to do now? I held the door closed on the rabbi. How, it's so embarrassing. He eventually, he obviously, he quickly opens the door, but then he noticed the most amazing sight of his life. The rabbi went like this: walked into the room, took the book, walked out the room like this, so that the student wouldn't know that he wouldn't know who that student was, and that student will never feel embarrassed because he never saw him. He literally went like this: walked to the place where the book was stored, took it. Walked out and never saw that student. The student was able to leave, knowing that he's not embarrassed. No one saw him, and he's completely calm. That's called forgiveness at its highest level. The rabbi didn't post on Facebook that the student is holding the door closed on me. How dare a student close the door, clo- hold the door closed on me? Disgraceful. Didn't do that. The opposite. He worked in the way in the way of forgiveness. That's the way that we need to at least aspire to at least to the world of forgiveness turn let's turn out that energy at least this year of yom kippur let's turn that energy of i want to post this i want to destroy this person's life i want to get justice here instead turn that energy to a place of forgiveness and what happens is that person that's in front of you will get the biggest lesson of his life Trust me, that student that held that door closed for five minutes and saw the rabbi coming in like this, got the greatest lesson of his life. Never in his life is he ever going to try and make somebody embarrassed. You can't walk away from such a situation and not get a great lesson. That is the way to teach a message. Not in the other way of shaming. No one wants it to be done on them. So why are you doing it on somebody else? Anyway, so those are seven of the attributes we went through. And uh, there are another eight more, um, but uh, six more, sorry, can't count. But uh, but that's it. There's 13 attributes altogether. And um, these attributes are all in the theme of finding a good quality in the person so I can forgive them as opposed to shaming them. And when we read those words, we want to absorb that energy in ourselves so that way we will be forgiven as well the way you forgive others is the way you will be forgiven the way you judge others is the way that you will be judged so i'm going to take some questions go off being live here a second and have a discussion for a sec but just oh, let me continue really yeah why not no i mean if anybody wants to leave they can leave why not i know i think it's late it's like nine forty-five. 45 oh, i don't is know it? I don't know. Does anyone else wanna? If it's late for you, then you should go. No, for me it's. I have another fifteen minutes. I'm giving another talk in fifteen minutes. I have no problem talking l- a lot longer. But uh, it is late. You know, it's late for some. Um, but maybe we could do another night. What do you think? Should we do another night? Maybe we could do say, uh, Shabbat, Saturday night. Maybe I don't know. That could be a good idea. Hey, let me just.